What's happening, guys? Sam Adams here, and welcome to a brand new episode of Caffeinate today for July the 2nd of 2019. And as always, I do hope this episode finds you well. And if you happen to be brand new to the show, this is a daily gaming news podcast where I bring you the hottest gaming news from around the industry and I keep you up to date and informed on everything happening related to gaming, whether it be brand new games that come out, whether it be the sales of games, whether it be big stuff like today with leaks that could potentially show the first little details of what to expect from Grand Theft Auto 6. That's a big release for the next gen. And now, thanks to Reddit, we have potentially a look at what could be coming. I do want to say right out of the gate, this is not confirmed. None of the information I'm going to be talking about has been actually legitimately confirmed. This is all just speculation from a couple of posts that do have the same kind of vibe going over on Reddit. So with that being said, still interesting, still worth talking about because, man, it sounds like something that is going to be right up my alley. And if I had to guess, it would be up the alleys of many other people as well. But then we talk about CD Projekt Red, of course, in development right now, Cyberpunk 2077. But in fact, they have three Cyberpunk games that are currently in the works right now, including one that has a multiplayer skew to it. That could be a big, big deal. Then we talked yesterday about Alan Wake, but now we have more information about what's happening with Remedy and the future of the franchise. As we all know, the rights have reverted back to Remedy, so there is much more potential for the game in the future. Then developers are calling for players to pirate their games rather than buying from G2A. Of course, for those that don't know, G2A, the online key reselling website that literally gives developers nothing for the money uh, that they get from purchases. That's pretty shitty. Then we have The Walking Dead, the Telltale Definitive Series, the game that won't die, the studio that's been dead for nearly a year, still being talked about in the media. That is nuts to me, but hey, we have something else to talk about here yet again today because hey... That thing just keeps on going. Then Dr. Disrespect is back in the news for apologizing for the E3 bathroom stream on behalf of the Dr. Disrespect brand. And I'm talking about this not because I really care about what's happening with Doc, uh, but because of the fact that I was sort of right on a thing. And I do want to point that out because it doesn't happen very often. Not often at all. Uh, then Super Mario Maker 2 fiscal sales are in and they are almost double the original. I wonder why. It's almost like the original came out on a failing console and the other one came out on a very popular one uh, that is taking the year by storm. Uh, it's crazy. Uh, and then finally we have, instead of a deal at the end, potentially a ripoff. Uh, not really, but PlayStation View prices are going up for a second year in a row and that will round out today's episode of Caffeinated. But again, if you are brand new to the show, I do hope you enjoy what I bring to the table. But without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into today's top stories. First off, a new GTA 6 leak says the game is set in 70s and 80s Brazil, inspired by Netflix's Narcos, and it is next-gen only. We have a lot of details to break down here. GTA 6 is no joke. Posted on Reddit, user Jackolantern1982 has posted a lengthy bullet point list about what is apparently included in the next Grand Theft Auto game, including the fact that it's set across multiple decades, deals with the rise of a drug cartel, and is set partly in Vice City. You can read the entire list of alleged information about GTA 6 below, but there is plenty more to this leak than just one Reddit post, as other leaks have popped up that corroborate the points Jackolantern1982 makes, like this one from Reddit user GFK 53 and here's the entire suit of information edited for clarity so are you guys ready to break down what could be in Grand Theft Auto 6 and again before we dive into this I want to make it very clear 
None of this has been confirmed. All of this is coming from Reddit, which can in fact be a pretty good source for some gaming news. It can also be a source for a whole bunch of hot air, so it depends on what you want to believe. Essentially, it's kind of like aliens. I'm saying it's like aliens. There are aliens. I'm just kidding. Uh, but let's go ahead and check out what is potentially happening with Grand Theft Auto 6 from the development all the way to what you are going to be getting at the end of the day. So, the next GTA title has been in development since 2012, but production didn't begin properly until 2015, but even then the team was focusing more on Red Dead Redemption 2. It is another Rockstar Worldwide production. The codename is Project Americas. It's set in both Vice City and a new fictional location based on Rio de Janeiro. Some linear missions take place in Liberty City, but is not an open world. Think Ludendorff in GTA 5, which was essentially kind of an aside, if you will, uh, something you couldn't really wander around in but it was a linear mission which was pretty fitting for the game in that kind of setting game will balance realism and arcade and it won't be as realistic as red dead redemption 2 so in that regard it sounds pretty similar to gta 5. only one playable protagonist male not female despite supposed leaks it is set in the 1970s and 80s and you play as an up-and-coming drug lord wannabe named ricardo another key character called casey is a part of the narrative you start off as a grundoing runs as a cocaine smuggler from vice city to a new large South American area before making connections with big-time drug lords and making your way up the ladder. Multiple cities are also going to be in the game. There will also be a giant prison which will play a part in the game and it will feature a chapter system similar to a Tarantino flick or Red Dead Redemption 2. Weather is a heavy focus including stuff like hurricanes, floods. Buildings change over the areas, vehicles too. So older rare classic cars get more expensive as time progresses etc and there is a full economy. Now this is where it gets good. Inspired by Netflix's Narcos. Now for those that have not seen Narcos, it is a fantastic show that I think could very well be a good fit for a Grand Theft Auto game. They want to have an incredible 1970s and 80s soundtrack. Oh, absolutely. Give me some of that sweet The Who eminence front while I do my cocaine runs down to South America. A younger Martin Madrazo will make an appearance as well as his father, who is a big drug lord at the time. You do submissions for the Madrazo family involving hits on other gangs. The Drug Empire building is a mechanic similar to Vice City Stories, but bigger. You can thank the GTA Online system and dial it up to 10. And you only have weapons on your person, no arsenal in your back pocket like in Red Dead Redemption 2. Uh, so your personal vehicle will be like your horse saddle in Red Dead Redemption 2. All of this stuff is stored, and then you kind of check things in. There will be tons of subtitle reading. Think Max Payne 3 amounts. Very immersive, like watching an episode of Narcos. So it sounds like a much more narrative-driven kind of experience, even as compared to Grand Theft Auto 5 last bit of narrative info it will discuss topics such as hiv and the immigration crisis of the time a fictional version of fidel castro is also going to be in the game as well it is next gen only not ps4 or xbox one gta 6 is now their primary focus alongside another title which might be bully 2 but primarily gta 6. the game is still in pre-alpha so names locations and details could and probably will change and there is no eta on a release date uh, but now there is another post on reddit now that we have all of that shown off that gives a couple of more pieces of information i told you there was a giant buttload of information today this is from fired in and it has been edited for clarity the game is set back in liberty city modern day this is a different story the plot in the beginning of the game is reminiscent of the wire police officers are trying to crack down a gang slash drug ring based around a nightclub there are four main characters two police and two gang members 
So, again, same game, different part of the game, potentially. The plot then twists and turns and goes to upstate New York, where it becomes a crime noir, think Ozark and Breaking Bad. So it sounds like there's a lot of inspiration from Netflix shows, if this can be believed. It will have twice the amount of dialogue as GTA 5 and a really crazy plot twist. The main storyline splits after a while. The criminal side has sort of a sandbox, build a crime empire thing, Fallout 4 meets The Sims. While the police part is more a traditional action game with a little twist of L.A. Noir, and the earliest release date for the game, according to Fired In, is 2021, but they would guess later, 2022 or 2023. And so again, none of this has been confirmed. This is all still speculation at this point, but it is still worth talking about because again, there are so many of these instances where people don't believe uh, what is put out on Reddit or what is put out on 4chan, stuff like that. When lo and behold, five, 10 years later, that was actually a confirmation. That was something that was happening. It was actually legitimate. So I did want to talk about it here today. Now, the big question here is, is it legitimate? And again, there is no confirmation, so we don't really know, but it sounds so fantastic because there is so much that can be done with that Vice City kind of time period. Miami in the 80s, that was what Vice City really was. Uh, that in and of itself is such a vibrant period of time uh, for the underworld crime-ridden trenches all the way to the, you know, overworld, if you will, the regular day-to-day uh, -day life. It was such an interesting time period with so many good uh, elements that make it so ripe for a game. And to combine the technology that we have going into 2019, 2020, and beyond uh, with these ideas of, you know, really good soundtracks, with these ideas of vibrant, uh, you know, waterfront sections of South America, with these ideas of giant living, breathing cities. I mean, whenever you look at what's happening with Cyberpunk 2077 and add three years of new tech to that, combining all of those elements with what Rockstar can bring to the table, that's a game changer. I mean, really, this could be a big deal. Uh, and of course, Grant Theft Auto 6 regardless of how good the game itself is, is going to sell like hotcakes because Grand Theft Auto V is a game that has blown everybody away, at least in terms of sales, at the very least. Uh, and so if you don't already know, Grand Theft Auto 6 is confirmed. That's happening. There's no way it's not. But it could be a big, big deal uh, because of the fact that you do have stuff like Narcos-inspired drug cartel rings. Uh, and, of course, maybe even multiple characters, potentially a police skew. There's a lot to break down here. But again, we're just cracking the surface and you don't have to worry about it because it's a very, very long time off. It is not going to be coming until I'm probably, I, who knows where we'll be at that point. The world could have just exploded by then. Uh, but moving on to another big deal. CD Projekt Red has three cyberpunk games in development. Multiplayer is in the works for 2077 as well. If hype for one cyberpunk game already has your blood pressure through the roof, prepare for cardiac arrest. Project Red has three games in its sci-fi universe currently in development. According to Bankier.pl, a Polish business journal, CD Projekt Red is based in Poland. The studio currently has three projects in the works in the cyberpunk universe. We are working on three cyberpunk things, the main game and two more, said CD Projekt Red president Adam Kishnik, I believe, Kishinki? I, I can't say I can't say foreign last names. I'm so sorry. Recognize that this is all coming from a Google translation, but according to the article, CD Projekt Red VP Piotr Neil Ubusquitz. Yeah, our next big project will also be in the cyberpunk universe, and we are already working on it and treating it as a really big and innovative project for us. Sounds pretty interesting. Uh, 
Interestingly, the story confirmed that a multiplayer mode is in the works for Cyberpunk 2077, and they say that it's a Rorclaw team of about 40 people working on a multiplayer mode for the game, although they are not sure if it will be included at launch. The company plans to show the full 30-minute E3 demo at Gamescom in August, and at the end of August, CD Projekt Red will share a new piece of the game at PAX West in Seattle, and of course, you can check out the breakdown of what VG247 knows about the game so far. Uh, but of course, needless to say, Cyberpunk 2077, one of the biggest games of 2020, potentially the biggest game of 2020, uh, is generating unprecedented amounts of excitement in the community. Uh, but to hear that there are three Cyberpunk games in development, that's a lot of content. And so my question here is, what kind of games are we talking? Because whenever you say I have a game in development, like let's say right now, technically, if you, well, let's really take a step back. Uh, there are a lot of Call of Duty games in development. Like I would say the next three years of Call of Duty games are already on the table, but if you add a mobile game into that, then you could have four. If you add uh, a Nintendo Switch SKU to one of the mainline Call of Duty games, that's technically five. Uh, so these numbers can be manipulated a bit, and they can be a bit misleading, so you might not have three giant AAA franchise-esque games uh, coming down the pipe, but you could have smaller experiences, and who knows what exactly is included with this. Uh, but needless to say, Cyberpunk is generating such a level of excitement in the community that to go ahead and assume that the next uh, game in the franchise is going to be coming down the pipe is probably a wise decision uh, that will make that turnaround time a little bit faster uh, as compared to something like Cyberpunk 2077, or or even uh, whenever it comes to a Rockstar franchise like Grand Theft Auto or Red Dead Redemption 2, uh, these giant experiences like you get from CD Projekt Red and Rockstar, they are taking some time. And so to go ahead and get a jump on it and uh, ensure that the next couple of games are already in the books, that could be a really good move that keeps the momentum of the franchise going. In the same breath, do we really need that much cyberpunk in a small amount of time? That's the other question that needs to be answered here, because the percolation time, uh, the, the cooking time, if you will, it allows people to get excited about things. For instance, if Cyberpunk 2077 had already come out, would we still be excited about the fact that it's here, or whatever might be the case? Uh, probably not. So again, that uh, that that kind of uh, holding your breath and waiting for the other shoe to drop, that brings a lot of value to the uh, overall um, marketing department of the game. However, if you did want to get just a little bit more excited about the future of Cyberpunk, three games in development as of right now, along with an Alan Wake game. Of course, not coming from CD Projekt Red, but Alan Wake's developer may bring the cult classic to more consoles. Remedy Entertainment regained the publishing rights to the mystery adventure as we talked about on yesterday's episode of Cabinate. Alan Wake might make its way to PS4 or Switch or even mobile after developer Remedy Entertainment snagged back the publishing rights to the 2010 cult classic from Microsoft. It told investors it would earn royalty payments of about 2.5 million euros this year for its previously released games and, in a related move, regain the rights to Alan Wake, again as we talked about on yesterday's episode of Cabinate. It seems Remedy is interested in bringing the mystery adventure to more platforms after it was previously only available on Windows PC, Xbox 360, and Xbox One via Xbox backwards compatibility. 
The only thing we want to clarify now that Remedy owns the publishing rights is that we could bring Alan Wake to different platforms if we so choose, a Remedy person told Eurogamer. For now, Remedy says it's focusing on its upcoming mind-bending adventure Control, which will be available August 27th, and I have heard great things about Control. After that game arrives, though, we might hear more about the future of Alan Wake. Uh, good move to focus on Control right now because that game has a lot going for it, uh, but Alan Wake is, again, kind of free reign right now. They can do whatever they want with it, so to make it available on more consoles or to even in the future create another Alan Wake game that is available on multiple platforms just makes sense. There is no reason to tie the game down to one specific console or one specific platform if they don't have to. Uh, whenever you have your game on a wider availability kind of mindset uh, and platform, then you make more money. That's really what it comes down to. So if you do want more Alan Wake, you could be getting it thanks to the reversion of those rights to the game. Developers have been calling for players to pirate their games. I, I'm sorry, I forgot what this headline said and I was very confused for a moment. Developers call for players to pirate their games rather than buy from G2A. G2A is once again under fire as developers are encouraging gamers to download their titles illegally rather than buy them from the divisive marketplace. The outcry began when a tweet from Mike Rose, founder of indie publisher No More Robots, who observed that G2A has paid for sponsored ads on Google. Anyone searching for games such as Descenders, published by Rose's firm, will see G2A links first. We make zero money on our games if people buy through the ads, Rose tweeted, before adding that it's impossible for users to turn the ads off. Please, if you are going to buy a game from G2A, just pirate it instead. Genuinely, devs don't see a penny either way, so we're much rather G2A didn't see money either. Rose later claimed that G2A arranged for several of their sponsored streamers to read out statements explaining why they are not evil for following the traction the tweet has gained. Descenders developer Rage Squid also backed up Rose, encouraging players to torrent their game instead of buying on G2A, as did Vlambeer's Rami Ismail. If you can't afford or don't want to buy our games full price, please pirate them rather than buying them from a key reseller, Ismail tweeted. These sites cost us so much potential dev time and customer service, investigating fake key requests, figuring out credit card chargebacks, and more. GTA developer, excuse me, GTA has developed a reputation over the years for enabling gray market key reselling, whereby users buy game keys in bulk from cheaper territories and sell them for profit in more expensive markets, with no share of each sale going to the original developer. GamesIndustry.biz interviewed GTA on stage at Reboot Develop 2017 when the firm insisted it's not a gray marketplace, but that people just don't understand our business business. They have reached out to G2A for comment, but nothing has been received in return. And so we have the final conclusion, just kidding, this is still an ongoing thing, of what's happening with G2A. Uh, again, as I said at the beginning of the show, for those that might not be aware, G2A is a very shady marketplace. Uh, they encourage you to buy insurance whenever you buy a key for any kind of game because they're not really sure if the keys are legitimate and they very well could be a scam. That's the kind of place we're dealing with here. So whenever you're considering this, you also have to take into consideration that if a game is, say, $25 on Steam, you could potentially find a key for it for $13 or below over there on G2A. Needless to say, as a college kid, that's something that's very tempting. As somebody in high school, that's something that's very tempting. Even if you just don't make a lot of money, that's something that's very tempting because you can save 10 bucks or so. And if you don't know exactly what's happening on that site, then you would be tempted to do so. But 
at the end of the day, you really have to take into consideration the fact, I'm saying these things a lot today, at the end of the day and take into consideration, I apologize for that, uh, but at the end of the day, you do have to take into consideration that developers need to put food on the table. They aren't just doing this content creation game development thing out of passion alone. Uh, they're trying to make money to pay for their bills and to live their lives. Uh, and so I think it's important to give that kickback, to go through the legitimate sources of games and to ensure that people are getting compensated for the hard work that they put in because this industry is a revolving door the people that we buy the games from make money from us buying the games and then whenever they make money they kick it back to the devs and then the devs make more games we give them more money and we get the content the entertainment that we all do so crave uh, and so whenever g2a is in the news i always want to point out that hey even though it is tempting uh, to get games for a really cheap price and to kind of roll the dice and see if you can get a cheaper key at the same time, it's just not legitimate. It's just not a good way to go about getting games. And so to see these people encouraging pirating, uh, piracy, if you will, Urg. It, to, to, to see them doing this is, is really making a statement because no dev wants their game pirated, but th at the same time, they don't want a thriving business surrounding their game while they make no money. That is even worse than that. So again, just interesting to see these calls for piracy rather than buying games through G2A, and I did want to point them out on today's show. But you know what you can't pirate? Physical collector's editions, such as The Walking Dead, the Telltale Definitive series, which is coming soon, collecting all four seasons and the spinoffs of the Telltale Walking Dead games. Telltale's The Walking Dead concluded this year after four seasons, ending the Clem's seven-year Sega. The Clem, Clementine that is. Now that it's all wrapped up, Skybound is releasing The Walking Dead, the Telltale Definitive series, which collects all four seasons and their spinoffs in one bundle. Picking up The Definitive series will net you all of Telltale's Undead Adventure games, including The Walking Dead Michonne and the 400 Days DLC, and various bonuses. That's 23 episodes, 10 hours of developer commentary, behind-the-scenes stuff, and a full documentary. While this collection doesn't remaster the games, there is a new visual mode. The graphic black mode is an homage to the monochrome comics and was previously released with the final season. The collection makes it available in all of the games. Graphic black is a loving tribute to the source material and a powerful art style that makes the game look like a living comic book, said Kent Muddle, creative director. An idea the team formulated and perfected with the final season, this new visual styling offers longtime fans a way to play the series again in a brand new light while giving new audiences a smooth visual ride across all seasons. Despite being called the Telltale Definitive Series, Telltale Games is no more. It closed down before the end of the final season, leaving people suddenly without jobs and without severance pay. At least one employee had recently moved for the job. Those devs, unfortunately, are unlikely to benefit from the re-release, though Skybound did say it would use former Telltale staff where possible when it was finishing the final season, which again is out now if you did want to play that alone. The Walking Dead, the Telltale Definitive Series, is due out on the Microsoft Store and the Epic Games Store on September the 10th, if you did want to pick it up. Uh, but again, a very sad situation, as I say every time I can, with The Walking Dead series and with Telltale overall. Uh, the Walking Dead series, primarily because the show is still going, and, 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 and people are still talking about it. Blows my mind that that show is, is still going on, but with the game itself from Telltale, very sad situation with that studio, because again, towards the end of 2018, the entire thing fell apart very quickly. Uh, we had about a week's worth of caffeinate episodes where that was pretty much the only thing we talked about, because new information would come out on a day-to-day -day basis, uh, talking about how the studio was falling apart, potential closures, then all of a sudden just shut the doors uh, and then we began to get more information about what exactly was happening uh, behind the scenes and behind those closed doors 
and it was not pretty whatsoever uh, but to see the definitive edition coming i think gives a new life to the telltale series because a lot of people have just begun to pay attention uh to these walking dead games to what telltale brought to the table and so whenever you have a definitive series you can pretty much give everybody everything at one big time uh, without them having to buy individual episodes or without having to worry about uh, platforms and switching things over a lot of people are just getting in here for the first time even though it's kind of after the party is over so to be able to get in there and get all of the content you need a pretty good move uh, but if you do want to check it out again apparently coming to the epic game store and the microsoft store on september the 10th if you did want to give a look to the walking dead definitive series from telltale technically from skybound but from telltale however maybe dr disrespect will play them because he has been unbanned from Twitch. He's also not going to be playing those games. But Dr. Disrespect apologizes for the E3 bathroom stream on behalf of the Dr. Disrespect brand. Three weeks ago, guy Dr. Disrespect bomb live streamed himself walking into an E3 bathroom and ultimately walked out without a Twitch channel or an E3 badge. In the immediate aftermath of the incident, he didn't seem to be taking his suspension very seriously, despite the fact that he may well have broken the law by using a camera in a public bathroom. Today, bomb broke character to offer the public an apology and some excuses. Bomb, whose Twitch account has since been reinstated, posted a message entitled, I'd like to talk about Dr. Disrespect's Twitch ban from E3 on his own personal Twitter account, as opposed to the in-character Twitter account for his Twitch persona, Dr. Disrespect. After three weeks of the Dr. Disrespect Twitter account posting goofs and hyping the doc's inevitable return to Twitch, Bomb's statement today finally discussed what happened at E3. And this is a direct quote. When we were walking around filming at E3, we clearly weren't thinking about the laws slash repercussions of filming in the bathroom because honestly, it wasn't on our mind at frame at the time. He wrote, explaining that he was committed to staying authentic to Doc's edgy character during his first IRL stream ever. We were so into the E3 IRL journey that we became a little blind in what's okay and what's not okay. We had no ill intentions, and I feel that was pretty obvious if you watched the entire thing. We wanted to capture an adventure. Unfortunately, we took that adventure into the wrong areas, unaware of the legalities surrounding it. On behalf of the Dr. Disrespect brand, I apologize for this. He went on to further describe the Dr. Disrespect brand and his plans for the future, stating that this incident was a step back, but then pivoting into hyping future plans. I'm very lucky to be considered an influential person in this entertainment space, Bomb wrote. Believe me, I don't take it for granted. We are working on a lot of things that take time that will hopefully continue to elevate the brand and gaming entertainment as a whole into the mainstream space. On one hand, this was a much-needed apology, but on the other, it reads almost like Bomb is using his character and his brand as a shield against accepting full responsibility for his own actions. Bomb is the Dr. Disrespect brand, so it's odd to see him apologizing on behalf of it. After all, Dr. Disrespect is a character created and played by Bomb, and presumably Bomb is in full control of his faculties when he is playing that character, regardless of how much he is yelling. Other streamers also attended E3, but Doc was the only one to stroll into the bathroom with a camera, and this is where Nathan Grayson begins to do his Nathan Grayson thing over there on Kotaku. Uh, but you get the gist of the story. Dr. Disrespect has apologized uh, for the moves that he made. And so I wanted to bring this up, not because I care about what happens, as I said at the beginning of the show, with Dr. Disrespect in general, but as I said whenever we covered the original topic, whenever we covered this breaking news as he was banned from Twitch and eventually banned from E3, uh, you have to understand that Doc's character is taken very seriously by Bomb. And again, it's no excuse to waltz into a bathroom with a camera rolling 
live streaming to thousands of people. That's never okay. But it also is worth mentioning that his character is just that, a character that takes things to new levels, that takes things to new heights, uh, that is obnoxious, that is loud, that is the epitome of an esports gamer, just a dude that takes things... Uh, He's the back-to-back -back world ch whatever you want to call him. He is Dr. Disrespect. That is the character that is him. You have to separate things. For instance, whenever I live streamed, no, I wasn't like Dr. Disrespect, but I'm still different than I am in a normal day-to-day -day kind of setting. And some people understand that. And some people just ride out their lives doing the exact same thing, being the exact same person across multiple sections. But let's just say this. If you go to a strip club at night, you're probably not going to act the same as you do during Thanksgiving sitting next to grandma. It's that kind of concept that kind of isolates Dr. Disrespect from Guy Bomb for me. Again, with that being said, this is no excuse whatsoever, make no mistake, but it's good to see him actually apologize on behalf of the brand because that's just exactly what Dr. Disrespect is. This man you see on your screen, this individual right here, this is a brand. That's really what that is. That's not a dude. That's not uh, a, a character. This is a brand. And so you have to understand that whenever you're thinking about how he acts on stream, how he is as a person on stream, uh, and you have to understand these are different people at the end of the day, even though they technically aren't. It's a very complicated situation, but I'm sure that things will eventually get ironed out. Uh, and whether they actually do or not is really kind of irrelevant because Dr. Disrespect is going nowhere. This man can do no wrong in the eyes of so many of his followers, and so he'll be a solidified... Uh, figure in the gaming space for a long time to come make no doubts about it however let's move on to more gaming news super mario maker 2 physical sales are almost double the original super mario maker 2 sold almost double the physical copies of its predecessor during the first week on sale fair enough that was for the wii u but still nintendo's mario creation se sequel station sequel what fair enough that was for the wii u but still nintendo's mario creation station sequel Station? Okay. Shot straight to the top of the UK chart. Christian Donlan wrote Eurogamer's Super Mario Maker 2 review. And whether you're building or not, this is a joy, he said, naming it a quirky and powerful construction toy that's fun to play, even if you aren't trying to make anything. It's a good week for Nintendo all around, as a fresh wave of Nintendo Switch marketing has buffeted both Zelda Breath of the Wild and Mario Odyssey back up into the chart's upper half and Smash Bros. Ultimate back to the top 10. Bloodstained Ritual of the Night, which launched on PS4 and Xbox One last week, enters into the top 10 for the first time this week thanks to its new Nintendo Switch version. Let's take a pause from that. Absolutely not. The Switch version does not look that good at all. Uh, apparently, it's running very poorly, as we talked about on an episode of Cabinet last week. So, uh, sorry, Eurogamer. Probably not the reason uh, why Bloodstained Ritual of the Night is in the top 10, uh, because quite frankly, it's not doing so hot on the Switch, but I'm sure that it might have sold very well, even though it might not be worthy of selling very <sighs> It's a sad situation. Crash Team Racing, last week's number one, was ousted into second place, and F1 2019 entered the chart in third, while Sega's exclusive PS4 game Yakuza Judgment was fourth. And of course, the top ten is below. Super Mario Maker 2 at number one, Crash Team Racing number two, F1 2019 coming in third place, Judgment at number four, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe at number five, probably because of Crash Team Racing, Rudy Duty 2D 2TY. What in the hell is this? I've got to Google that on stream because let me tell you right now, uh, I have never heard of that game in my entire life. Um, I, I do not know what that is. I, I do not know. Uh, is that is that Red Dead Redemption 2? Is that what we're trying to say here? I, oh God. 
Uh, number seven, GTA 5, Assassin's Creed Odyssey coming in at number eight. Nine, Bloodstained Ritual of the Night, and ten, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Uh, so if you do want to pick up any of these games, again, selling very well in the UK. Uh, but Super Mario Maker 2, specifically focusing on that, uh, not shocking to see it in the top ten, quite frankly, because it was a good idea on the Wii U that sold very well, and that was on the Wii U. So now that you have the Nintendo Switch, a console that, you know, is, I don't know, actually popular and actually selling well that people play, uh, then, of course, they're going to have higher sales. And that's exactly what we have here today. In fact, I would go so far as to make the statement uh, that they could have released the original Mario Maker and just ported it to the Nintendo Switch, and it probably still would have broken the top 10, which I don't know why they didn't do that to begin with whenever the franchise was still kind of fresh and whenever the console itself was brand new. But hey, we've got Mario Maker 2, so we are good to go with that. Uh, but if you do want to pick it up again, it looks really good. I've been watching Witwicks play it on Twitch. Very fun times to be had there. But finally, PlayStation View prices are going up for a second year in a row, which is a bit unfortunate. Sony's streaming TV service, PlayStation View, is raising prices yet again. Every PlayStation View multi-channel plan is going up in price by $5 USD. Those who are existing subscribers won't be charged extra until their first billing cycle begins after July 31st, but new customers pay the higher prices now. PlayStation View General Manager Dwayne Benfield said in a blog post that prices are going up in response to the rising annual cost of available content. We constantly evaluate each deal to ensure we continue to deliver the content you want while considering the overall value of each package, he explained. Benfield went on to say that Sony is sticking with PlayStation View with the ambition of making it the premier destination for live TV streaming. PlayStation View, which is only available in the United States, features packages that include major channels such as HBO, FX, ESPN, the NFL Network, and HGTV, along with more than 650 local stations depending on where you live. This is just the latest price hike for PlayStation View. Sony also raised PlayStation View pricing by $5 a USD a, USD a go this month. Sure, why not? It's been ten, two years, $10 gone up in price, which is, to be fair, a little bit understandable. According to Variety, this latest price increase is due to Sony reaching new licensing deals with NBC Universal, AMC Networks, Warner Media, and Discovery. The new price increase also comes with a base level access package price of $50 USD per month, the core package being $55, the Elite subscription $55 as well, and the Ultra package is $85 USD. I feel like that might be a bit of a typo here, uh, the Elite subscription being 55 which is the same price as the core package. I would say you're probably looking at 65 there maybe, or even 75 if you really want to feel a little bit spicy. But again, these could be accurate, just sounds a little off to me, uh, according to GameSpot. Uh, but PlayStation View, an interesting skew of the PlayStation family, because from what I understand, a legitimately good way to watch television, uh, which is a pretty fantastic asset to have on your team whenever we're talking about the cord cutter generation, where people just simply don't want uh, to pay for basic cable, they will add, they'll buy the subscription, because it makes more sense, and quite frankly, PlayStation 4s are so ubiquitous as part of so many media centers and so many entertainment spaces that to go ahead and just put it up there uh, just kind of makes sense and of course as compared to a basic cable subscription you're not going to be paying too much more to even get the ultra package which comes with a lot of content uh, so again if you do want to pick it up you're going to be paying a bit more but if you already have a PlayStation View subscription you are going to be going up in price by five dollars at the end of July 
which again it's understandable considering how much content you actually get because you're getting a lot of content for your money uh, but with that being said that rounds out today's top gaming news of course if you are brand new to the channel I do appreciate you making it all the way to the end of the show but be sure to subscribe on youtube.com slash Samuel Adams media to get the hottest gaming news five days a week Monday through Friday at or around 7 a.m. Eastern time now I will say over the next week the schedule is going to be very very in flux because there's a lot going on I'm moving uh, uh, in a week I'm going to a new place we got to set up the desk we might have to cancel a stream or two but I'm going to try and make that not happen because I love this podcast and I love you guys uh, but until next time you guys have a fantastic rest of the day I will talk to you soon and peace